0: Great to see so many of you here. Uh, My name is Chuck, I'm one of the pastors here at Church on Mill. Fix my jacket. Oh, thanks, dog. My flaps were out. (laughs) Subtle, also, (laughs) Hansley. My name is Chuck and I do many embarrassing things. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's, a, it's a joy to see the room filled and get to spend just a little bit of time together on uh, Christmas Eve before uh, we all go separate ways with friends and family, and then uh, some will gather back tomorrow. Um, if if uh, a church gathering together was a meal, then the way we think about this as a church is that the, the entree, the main dish, when we gather together is a little portion of time in which we open the scriptures and we hear someone preach the meaning, the main meaning of a passage, and we try to bring that to bear on our own lives. And it's my privilege to take a few minutes today to do that from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, uh, then underneath the seat in front of you there are blue Bibles, and you can turn in there to page 471. You'll find... Matthew chapter 1, page 471. And for just the next 20, 25, 26 minutes, I want to consider with you uh, the meaning of a passage here in Mark chapter 1. We're here, of course, this evening to celebrate the conception and the birth of Jesus. Christians have been gathering for literally thousands of years all over the world on this evening every year to do that. Both the circumstances of his birth and the reason the name was given to him give us the meaning of Christmas. And so I want to think with you tonight about that. My prayer is that as a result of our next few minutes together, that every one of us would believe in Jesus and that as we believe in him, our faith would become stronger And would look more and more like Mary and Joseph's faith. So if you would, on page 471, look down with me at verse 18. That's Matthew 1, verse 18. It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Let's consider this passage under a couple of headings in the next few minutes. First, would you think with me about a very problematic pregnancy? Now, the words, I'm pregnant, are sometimes heard as the very best news and sometimes as the worst. Now, to be clear, anytime there's a baby, that baby should be treasured and enjoyed as a gift from God. We have quite a few little ones in here today. That's a wonderful thing. These are gifts from God, and they're welcome to make all the sounds they want, okay? (laughs) But not every person experiences the news of conception in exactly the same way. Sometimes it's unplanned, unexpected. And in this case, Mary was certainly not planning on having a baby, and neither was Joseph. The timing, you see, could quite literally have not been worse. Let me try to explain. You see, verse 18 tells us that Mary and Joseph were betrothed, betrothed. Now, that's not a word we use anymore. The closest equivalent we have to it is not very equivalent at all but it's what we would call engagement. Now, engagement today simply means a man and woman have agreed to get married, and they're working out when their wedding will be, and all the details around it, and preparing for life uh, together. Betrothal in the first century included that, but it included much more than that. Betrothal was a legal commitment, and therefore it was binding. And so A man and a woman would agree to get married, they would become betrothed, and betrothal usually lasted a year. And the purpose of that year was for the man to secure somewhere to live, and for both the woman and the man to demonstrate fidelity to each other prior to coming together in their marriage ceremony. So they didn't live together, they didn't have sex because they weren't yet married, but they demonstrated that they would be faithful to each other once they were married. So do you see the problem? Mary is supposed to be proving to Joseph and to everybody else. For the rest of my life, I will be faithful to Joseph. Joseph is supposed to be proving. For the rest of my life, I will be faithful to Mary. This was not a good time. To get pregnant. The betrothal period is exactly when Mary became pregnant. So put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Men, imagine you're engaged and your wife-to-be, your fiancé, says, I am pregnant and God did it. (laughs) Everyone would assume that Joseph was the cause. But Joseph knew it wasn't me, and therefore he assumed it was someone else. Matthew's very careful to point out in verse 19 that Joseph was a just man. It doesn't mean he was just a man. It means that he was just. He loved God and sought to be faithful to God. And because he loved God, He loved what was right, what was true, what the scriptures teach. And so he sought to be faithful to what God says. And therefore he knew, I can't stay with Mary. Men, we would do well to pursue being men like Joseph. Men who are uh, humble and who are full of conviction. Men who are just. And so because Joseph was just, he planned to end the betrothal. But as we read, he planned to do that in such a way that it wouldn't bring more shame to Mary than she already felt. He wouldn't drag her up, if you will, in front of church and say, listen to what she's done before she was showing. He would rather divorce her quietly. And that was his plan. (laughs) He made his decision. He went to bed. And then perhaps for the first night in many nights... He fell asleep quickly. He was satisfied with the decision he made. But then, as Joseph said, he had a dream, a dream he wasn't looking for. As he lay in bed that faithful night, something totally unexpected happened. And that brings us to the second thing I'd love you to think about in this passage. We've got the the problematic pregnancy, but we also have an angelic announcement If you let your eyes glance back over verses 20 and 21, you'll see the content of that announcement. Angels are beings that God created, that live forever, that do his work. And so God sent an angel in a dream to tell Joseph something. The angel told Joseph, as we see, to take Mary as his wife and to take Jesus as his own son. Now, when Joseph woke up, he faced a major fork in the road, the kind you only come across once or twice in your entire life. I mean, today, you probably made dozens and dozens and dozens of decisions. Some of them felt like they mattered a lot, but few of them you will remember tomorrow. But this was a fork in the road. That would determine the rest of Joseph's life. You see, he knew. Would he hear and obey what God spoke through the angel? Or would he dismiss it? And walk away from Mary like he planned? Now Joseph knew what was that state? He knew. Either I'll be taking on the mock. And the scornfulness of everyone I know. Or. I will disregard God. Friends, we face those moments quite often, don't we? Moments when we know we will be looked at in a downward way because we seek to be faithful to God. Joseph faced that kind of moment. Brothers, how many times have you known the right thing to do? and relied on God's strength to do it, even if it would, quote unquote, hurt your reputation. Sisters, when faced with fear or faith, do you often choose the right way? Joseph serves as a wonderful model of this, just as Mary does as well. The text says that Joseph listened to the commandment of God and therefore they got married, they stayed together. And so we've got this problematic pregnancy, we've got this angelic announcement, and finally the thing I really want to talk with you about. We've got a once-of-a-kind kind kind of kid, a a once-of-a-kind kind of kid. The baby born to Mary and Joseph would be unlike any other child who had ever been or will ever be born We might say the big idea of this passage is that Jesus, the God-man born to the Virgin Mary, came in order to save his people from their sins. Of all the things Matthew wanted to tell us, that's the main thing he wanted us to hear. So I want to spend the remaining few minutes we have thinking together about who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who is he? That's right, somebody said God over there, (laughs) from the mouth of babes, he's God, but he's also man, he's both, the two have to go together. First, consider with me that Jesus is God. The passage says he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he had no earthly father, that For all time, he related to God the Father and God the Spirit as God the Son. And that these three together make up the one God of the Bible. In verse 23, we see that Jesus' identity can be summed up in the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Now, Jesus wasn't actually walking around being called Emmanuel. Emmanuel but it's what the name represented. It's what the name pointed to that the passage is getting at. Despite what Mormonism or Islam or secularism or atheism teach, the Bible does claim that Jesus is God. And this is one of the clearest places. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And yet... Jesus is also man. Jesus was born to Mary as an infant baby boy. Jesus literally became one of us. Fingers, hands, arms, eyes, ears, legs. Jesus became just like us. He left the glories of heaven, we might say, for the groanings of earth. Jesus is Emmanuel, God, with us. Now, this may sound like unimportant academic theological jargon, but friends, it matters so much that Jesus is both in one person God and man. Because without that combination, he could have not been able to do what he came to do. He had to be both. To accomplish God's plan of salvation, Jesus had to be God, but he also had to be man. We see that in verse 21. It says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. That was his sole mission, and he has accomplished it well. Amen? To accomplish that, Jesus had to be a human being. He had to be one of us. He had to face what we face. He had to go through what we go through. He had to feel what we feel. He could not do it apart from that. And so Jesus got tired. Jesus grew hungry. Jesus cried. Jesus got angry at injustice. Jesus experienced rejection. And in his humanity, the only thing different between you and me and him is that we face those things as people who at times choose sin. But Jesus never did. He perfectly relied on his Father and in the strength of the Spirit, never disobeyed. That's the difference. And because of that, he was able To serve as our substitute. But Jesus had to be God if he would come and give himself up fully for us. To accomplish the mission of rescuing the people of God out of sin, Jesus had to be God. You see, only God in the flesh could show us what God without flesh is actually like. Jesus reveals that. He discloses who God is in the richest and most powerful way. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't frequent this kind of a gathering. I want to encourage you, take that Bible that's in your lap or in the seat in front of you, take it home with you and start reading the rest of that book of Matthew. What you'll find in it is a historically accurate, faithful picture Of what God is like. You'll see God. In Jesus Christ. For he is God. Do you want to know God? Then look to Jesus. Perhaps I could summarize this. Quite simply in that. Big idea again. Jesus the God man. Born to the Virgin Mary. Came in order to save his people. From their sins. Now, all of you who have ever had a child, you rightly think your child is the best child in the whole world. Every parent must think that. And yet we're all wrong. Jesus is the most amazing child there has ever been. Because only in Jesus is their perfect God and perfect man housed in a baby. It's incredible. Why? Why Christmas? Jesus came as a baby in order that he could live the life you and I were meant to live, but haven't. In order that he could grow up to be the man who would voluntarily give himself on a cross. And on that cross, he would take the sins of all of the people who would ever follow God. He would absorb the discipline and wrath we deserve. Dying a sinner's death. And then rising again in victory. So that the life he lived... His righteousness could be given to us and our sin could be given to him. Tomorrow, you're probably going to trade some gifts with people, but none of them are going to be as good as that. That is the greatest gift imaginable. It's worth saying again, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. So I just want to ask you tonight, have you been saved? Not have your parents or your spouse or a friend, but you. Do you personally know the rich experience of having the weight of your sin put on Christ and the righteousness of Jesus given to you? To be saved is to be rescued from God, by God. That's what Jesus came to do. This is available to all who believe in him and who will turn from their sin and trust in him. We wanna encourage you tonight, if you've never done that, to do so. And if you've got more questions before you're able to take that step in sincerity, stick around after. Visit with someone around you. It's very likely there's someone near you who has done that very thing and they'd love to tell you more. If you've already been saved, I think I'd want you to know as well. I think Matthew would want you to know. If you've made a big moral blunder, if you have sinned in some substantial way, then this news that Jesus came to save his people from their sins is also good news for you. Because even after we come to know God, even after we're saved, we still struggle to obey And sometimes those struggles are deep, and we can return to feeling as though we're not right with God. Maybe you've done something big this year or a whole series of smaller blunders. Know that in Jesus, there remains for you forgiveness, that Jesus is still saving you from your sin. Church, this Christmas, let's all be calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus is Jesus' name. His name comes from Joshua, which means Yahweh. That's God's proper name in the Old Testament. Yahweh saves. And so literally every time we call on the name of Jesus, we are declaring God saves. God saves. There's a lot in that name. And there's a lot left for him to do to continue to rescue us and mature us. This is the very best possible news. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. God with us. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the miracle of Christmas. That God, the Son would condescend, leaving heaven, coming to earth, that we might know him. Thank you for this wonderful truth that we've been thinking about the last few minutes. I pray that, Lord, the discouraged would be lifted up, that the prideful would be brought low, that the sinner who has yet to be saved would trust in you. That those who are grieving this Christmas because of people who are lost or things that have been disappointing this year would be uplifted and that all of us would call on the name of Jesus because God saves. In Jesus' name, amen.